Let's do it. try to answer any automotive questions you have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got every single line wide open. Just go ahead and give us a call. Put you right at the top of the list. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, too. That's it. Always is. <laughs> yeah. First of the show, you get your questions answered with a lot of detail. And just say you think of something after the show goes off, maybe during the week when we're not on the air, you can always visit the website and get your questions answered. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O.com. The acronym for that, Altazan's Garage Company. That'll get you to the site. There's several databases you can search there, depending on what kind of topic you're looking for. There's also a contact bar. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back to you within 24 hours. In case you don't see what you're looking for on the site, you can't find it, or just have a general type question that's not on there. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate those emails because what it does, it sort of gives me a feel for what is not on the site or what we need to address more on there. So it gives me something to work on to make the site better and more complete. So we don't ever mind getting emails. Some people say, well, I don't want to bother you with that. It's the, not a bother at the all. The email is not a bother. That's right. Now, calling me at work or coming by at work and right. now that, chit-chat, that is a problem just because 100% of my time is donated and dedicated to the folks who are in getting the cars fixed. It really takes 100% of my time to do that. So it's not that I don't care to chat with you. I do, but that's why I do the radio show. Now it's time to call in. And, and, and have the email and, have and the email website. And, Certainly, I don't mind that at all, but I just can't chit-chat during the day. Right. I just don't have time. It's the nature of our, our business is such that we have a tremendous number of people who come through there, and 100% of my time is has to go to them. That's right. You know, the guy's paying my salary. So. Yeah, there's four of us in the back shoving That's work right. orders at him all day and yeah, keeps him pretty busy. Wide open all the time. So take go to that website, and there's tons and tons of stuff. You have the vehicle questions, which is a short to-the-point answer to a question, a specific question. For instance, if you want to know what's the firing order on a V8 Chevrolet, go to there and find those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Then you have the detailed topic section, which is a lot more information on a more general type topic. And that's where the real information is at. Put one on this morning on transient current flow, which is something most people have never heard of. And I titled it Transient Current Flow, The Silent Killer. Reason being, that is something that is relatively easy to prevent most people don't know about it you're not going to see any symptoms your first symptom is going to be a burn up transmission or a set of tie rods that keep going out or wheel bearings that keep going out and, or and, something like that right and that's a symptom that is a symptom of the problem so you change those pieces and six months later you eat up a wheel bearing or again. you you start going down the line eating different things up right and what it is with all things electrical, the amount of current that leaves the source has to equal the current that goes back to the source. That's mm -hmm. just the nature of it. So if you've got an accessory like, say, a starter motor that pulls 275 amps and the grounding system is only capable of handling 250 amps, you can have a 25-amp transient current flow somewhere. That's right. It's going to find, find its, its way. way. Exactly. It, it, the engine is sitting on rubber mounts, so it's insulated. If the ground is not sufficient, it's going to flow through whatever it can, and that could be the transmission, which is going to destroy it, because it's sort of like the electroplating process. You start running electricity through parts that are touching each other, right. metal is going to be transferred, or the welding process. You know, Metal gets transferred from one to the other because of the current flow. 
So anyway, a real, real good article. You might want to pop on there and read that. It may save you a few thousand bucks down the road because it's fairly easy to prevent. We have instructions in there how to go about checking and preventing that kind of thing. That's just one of them. Of course, got one on extended warranties. That's real popular. Right. Why you don't want to buy an extended warranty. And when you pop on Google or something like that, type in extended warranties, what you're going to get is 200 pages of paid advertisements. That's right. <laughs> exactly. you got to almost Google something like Consumer Reports extended warranty to get the true scoop. I mean, those guys are going to be buried so deep down the listings because of all the paid stuff that's Ads on there. And, and that's because there's so much money involved in it. They can afford to lay out the big bucks. That's right. You know, they can they can buy their position. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like what are the X-Files, the truth is out there. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to really, really hunt. But pop around there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. Good morning, Gerard. Hey, sir. How are you? Quick okay, question. Sir. What is that uh, website? www.agcoauto.com. Agcoauto.com. A-G-T-O. No, A-G-C-O. A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O. A-U-T-O. Uh-huh. .com. Yes, sir. Hey, here's my situation. Sure. I got a 99 Silverado truck, man. Uh-huh. Dump a load of fuel in the catalytic converter. Okay. I'm missing on cylinders 2 and 8. What would you suggest? What do you think it is? Okay. Gerard, how do you know it's dumping fuel? I smell the fuel. You, you smell like, real rich? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like I had a little test done, and it says, so some you know, rich. like the old two sensor on bank. Uh, yeah, I think it yeah, was too bank. rich. Yeah. yeah. Does that old two sensor have much to do with that? Oh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. it does, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the problem. <laughs> the fastest, easiest, cheapest thing to do is to unplug the O2 sensor and see if the readings change drastically. Okay. If you unplug it, it's going to go to default readings. And if the default reading is much closer than the oxygen sensor reading, say it'll go from 30% additional fuel to maybe 10% additional fuel. Okay. If that happens and you change the oxygen sensor, that's got a injector, what they call a, what do they call it? Multi 99 is a, they, it's a spider assembly with profits right. in it. They call it a Mul central port. Central port injection. Right. The name C I'm trying to look CTI, for. CPI. Something like that. Yeah. Those were kind of notorious, Gerard, about going bad. Okay. What it is is basically a big injector in the center with eight little poppets, if it's, a, if it's an eight cylinder or six, if it's a six cylinder, and they go out to the cylinders. And when it fires, the, the fuel pours out through those little poppets. Okay. All that stuff's made out of plastic. Oh. And after about 11 or 12 years, like your truck, that plastic gets old, brittle, it breaks off, it's laying in the bottom of the intake, and the gas just flooding around inside the intake. Okay, mister, sound like you know what you know a little something about the oh, yeah. vehicle, so I'm, I might have to come by and pay you a little visit. Where yeah. y'all okay? Uh, I tell you, go to the website, and give you a map from anywhere in the world. We're right on Corsi Boulevard to answer your question, though. Okay. All right. Right on Corsi. Yeah, just go on the website, and it'll, it'll show you exactly how to get there. All right, good deal. All right, Thank you, you Thank you, All man. Bye-bye. Right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Unfortunately, GM has come up with a fix for that problem. There's a kit out now where you can convert the central port injection to multi-port injection. Right. It moves the injectors from the center of the intake mm -hmm. to the outside right, at the port. End, end of the rail at the port underneath the intake. Right, which is and really good. In fact, it's the way they should have built it to start with. Right. They were trying to cheap out, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess it was. A, it, it got them by. It got them out of the warranty period. That's <laughs> it. That's it. But they had so many failures on it. That they came up with this update kit. Now, it's, it's a relatively expensive thing to do because you have to pull the intake off and you have to, right. to buy the kit. But it's still a lot cheaper than ruining your truck or burning up catalytic converters and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, most yeah, people one, report, ruined con, one ruined converter will pay for this. Just uh, about, yeah. Most people report that their mileage is better, their power is better, and it runs better than it ever has once mm -hmm. we convert them over. So, And it's a direct replacement. You put it in, all the same wires plug in. It right. Same plugs right and everything. In there. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to our phone line. I've got Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. 
I got 96 Chevy Lumina. Uh-huh. And I think I may have blown the head gasket. Okay. Um, it got hot. It's not turning over anymore. There's water in the oil. Okay. Um, that's something that's going to liable be pricey. Yeah, oh, yeah. If, if it is a blown head gasket, it's going to be real pricey. Those are not real bad about that problem. Is it a 3.4 or 3.1? 3.1. Yeah. They're not horrible about blowing head gaskets, but if it gets hot enough, it sure will. I mean, you pretty much have to assemble the whole engine, or whole top of the engine, rather, to get to it. You're really not going to have an option other than junk the car. I mean, you're not going to be able to drive it like it is. Uh, right. it, no, it, it's it's going to go grenade real fast once that happens. The coolant starts getting in the oil, it's going to wipe out the bearings and stuff, sludge everything up, plug up the lifters. Chris, what I would normally do on a car of that age, if the rest of the car is in real good shape and I really like it and it does everything I want, I would probably try to look it over and see if the engine looks like it's still in pretty good shape and it was worth putting heads on or worth pulling the heads and seeing. If not, you may want to look for a used engine because there were millions of those little engines made, and they're basically the same for several years up. So you could possibly find a used engine with relatively low miles on it. Those little engines didn't give a lot of trouble other than the intake gaskets leaking, and you can change that while you got the engine out. So that might be a cost-effective way to go, or maybe cost-effective for you to go ahead and put head gaskets or possibly heads. The problem is that I've found a lot of times when the head gasket blows, it also either warps or cracks the cylinder head. So there's a number of ways to go about trying to repair that. I guess the decision that I would want to make is, do I really like this car? Does it do what I want? Because you don't want to dump a bunch of money in something you don't like anyway. Yeah, and but, that's the problem. I just got finished dumping a bunch of money into it with the AC and the new yeah, water pump and everything else. Yeah. So, uh, well, as far as a, a new engine uh, installation of something like that, is that something y'all would do with that? Yeah, so we can install it for you. It's pricey because, again, the whole car has to come apart, but you know, it's, it's going to be less than a new car or probably less than you can find a good used car. And at least you know you got something when you're through. Because, I mean, you go buy a used car, you don't know that you're not getting the same thing. Right, you're starting over from scratch. Yeah, I mean, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. I mean, at least sure. you know you got a good AC and you know you got a good motor in, in this one. I would probably, Chris, if you're entertaining that, I would... Probably bring it to someone real professional. Have them do a general inspection before you start, just to see if there's any other big problems looming. Okay. And well, I, a good general inspection can weed out a lot of that kind of stuff. And if, if the rest of the car comes back pretty healthy, then it's going to be less than anything else you can do if, if you like the car. Well, I, I trust you guys fully, so I guess yes, I'll sir. bring it to you guys and let you you tell me what my options are. Yeah, there you go. From there. Okay, Chris. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would certainly love to have you. And we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Hey, I got 99 Cadillac uh-huh. today on the bill. Uh-huh. And the engine light came on with the gas cap. So now I, okay. I was out of town. You, you've actually worked on my car. I'm the okay. guy from Ohio that moved down here. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Transplant Yankee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm out of town. I, uh-huh. I was out of town. I had it checked out at the dealer. Uh-huh. The uh, PO440. Code, evac leak, smoke check, put a new cap on it, thing went away, and about three days later, come back again. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm, did we miss something? Well, did, the, did the same code come back? Same code again? Um, no, or the no, light come back on? The, the light came back on in the check engine, or the check gas cap. Well, okay, yeah, okay. if it's still the same PO440, see, that code doesn't actually mean gas cap. It just means a, a leak in the system that right, it right. can't pull down. The more common things on that, Mike, would be, cracked vacuum line somewhere one of the vacuum hoses got a crack in it 
there's two solenoids, there's a purge solenoid and a vent solenoid. If one of those doesn't seal off or open up when it should, it's going to set that code. So most likely they just went in, found a leaking gas cap, and assumed that was the whole problem and didn't look any further. That's what I'm going to assume, particularly if they didn't charge you a whole lot to do it. They probably did a quick check on it and found that, and it may have needed a gas cap, but it could have had two problems. Yeah, because they did a smoke check, too. Yeah, well, they did a smoke test, and they did it properly. They probably should have caught something else. But, again, dealerships being what they are, those guys are on commission. They're usually trying to rip and run and rush through the job. The first thing they see is what they're going to say. And, and of course, what parts are today, you could have another bad gas cap. That's bad true. Gas. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, that's so, real easy to test, and right. the gas cap is the problem. Or the filler necks themselves. Sometimes the threads in them can get buggered up and a gas cap won't seal on them. So there's just a lot of different options. But are you still in the area where the dealership is that did the work? Yeah, I'll still be up there for a week or so. I just popped back over and said, hey, guys, look, the light came right back on. I need you to look at this thing again. And I wouldn't be expecting to spend a whole lot of money the second time around. No. You know, and I think you can be polite about it, but I think you need to be firm that – yeah, they're pretty good. Light back on again. And one thing about that light, Mike, that's real confusing to folks is that when you've got, let's say you're at quarter of a tank of gas. Well, when it drops below a quarter, it's going to quit running that test. So the light's not going to come on. It's going to go off and stay off. And it's going to stay off until you get to empty. Now, when you fill up, it's again going to stay off until you get to three quarters of a tank. So you've got a half a tank of gas or several hundred miles where the light's going to stay off. When it gets to three quarters, wham, it's coming back. Because it only yeah. runs a test between three quarters and a quarter. Yeah, because the check engine light would stay on, but the, the uh, check gas cap light would go off every now and then. Right. So that's what, bring it back to them, have them look at it again. I think they probably just kind of got a little anxious when they saw the cap and jumped to that conclusion. Just tell me you need to look a little deeper. Uh, we'll do that. Okay, Appreciate man. It, Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we'll take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. Whoa, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep, it's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. It's 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm host Lewis Alvesan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us calls, and we'll put you right up at the top of the list. Earlier this week, I had a gentleman call me from Pennsylvania and said he listened to the podcast and got a referral to our website. 
had a Chevy truck with a leaking cylinder head, like we've talked about right. uh, several times. Wanted some information on there, but I thought that was kind of interesting. He said he was having some trouble finding someone up there to look at it for him, and I, so I told him a few things to look for. Pretty simple diagnosis on that, although it's a major problem. It's relatively easy to diagnose. Yeah, it's not too difficult. You just take you pull your valve a pressure gauge yeah. on it, pull the valve cover off, and if you're losing coolant, you need to put a pressure check on it and see if you can see it external first. Yeah, if there's absolutely no external leaks. Then you can start pulling the valve covers off, and as soon as you roll that valve cover over, you'll be able to tell if it's got water Pretty in Pretty much. The inside of that valve cover is going to be milky, milky, Look milky. Like chocolate milkshake. Almost, yeah. What happens on those, because we I hear this all the time. Well, no, I ain't got a cracked egg because my oil's not Milky. Well, it's not going to turn the oil milky. Right. It's not going to happen because this isn't water. This is coolant. What's going to happen is the steam in that cylinder head will turn the oil in the valve cover milky. Mm-hmm. But the oil that runs down will have glycol in it, which will mix just fine with oil. That's right. It just right. destroys the ability to lubricate. So it ends up burning up the engine and sludging everything up. But if you look at the oil, you pull the dipstick and look at it, it's going to look nice. That's it's right. It's going to look clean. You're not going to see anything in there at all. That glycol will mix right on in with that oil. And the problem with it. it- the cooling system is a closed system. Right. So if you're having to add coolant, you've mm-hmm. got a problem somewhere. Right. It needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's not. Not only are you losing coolant, mm-hmm. which is hazardous to the environment. Right. But you're also introducing air to right. replace that coolant you're losing. That's right. Which starts a corrosion process inside mm-hmm. the engine. It attacks the the steel. It attacks the aluminum. Oh, yeah. It attacks everything. Everything in there. Well, basically, you've already got a corrosive liquid. You got heat, so all you got to do is throw oxygen in the mix. You got a great big battery. That's it. And the engine becomes a cathode and an anode, and it just eats itself away. Things like heater cores going out repeatedly. You, know, you change the heater core six months later, the heater core is going out again. Well, that's not a defective heater core. Right. <laughs> You've got a problem. You got, you got a problem there. I think you hit the nail on the head. The system is not ever going to lose any coolant on its own. If it's dropping down, now, of course, it goes up and down with the heat of the engine. You got a minimum Correct. and a maximum mark. Well, you check it. Same time every day. Right. Same, you know, you same walk temperature. Out, you walk out in the morning before mm-hmm. you crank it up, you mm-hmm. check it. You check it every time, every day, at that standard time, and should it should be always full. be the same. Right. That's exactly right. And maybe even more to the point is where did the coolant go? Exactly. Because it's not dripping out on the ground. It's going somewhere. That's right. And it's either going into your oil or it's going through your intake ports and into and the catalytic converter. <laughs> that's right. We had another vehicle that we delivered yesterday, and this one has had a leaking intake on it for a couple of years now. And if we'd have caught it maybe two years ago, we probably could have put an intake on it, but we ended up having to put a catalytic converter and an intake on it. Plus, it got so bad with the corrosion, it plugged the thermostat up Mm -hmm. uh, or or destroyed the thermostat, so we had to change the thermostat, flush all the system out real, real good two times. And the cost of the job probably more than doubled. Oh, I'm sure. By delaying, because the catalytic converter was, geez, I don't remember, about eight, eight nine hundred dollars. Yeah, $800, $900 by the time you put it on there. Yeah. And that was basically just totally a sacrificial element in this particular case because it need not have gone out. I'm not saying the converter wouldn't have failed anyway, but I think the glycol getting into it is what wiped it out. Mm-hmm. Converters just can't, possible. can't tolerate anything like that getting into them. And, you know, sometimes you get a coolant leak that will run off the back of the transmission, mm-hmm. and it will evaporate before it hits the ground. That's right. So you've, you've got to be real careful when looking for a coolant leak. You've you got to make sure you check every place coolant could come out at mm-hmm. because there could be a little trail coming off the back of the intake and the transmission, the heat of the transmission is evaporating it That's right. before it touches the ground. So or don't, some, sometimes it'll puddle up on top of the intake and heat an engine. Well, or it'll right. leak at the water pump and the big fan sitting there will blow it back onto the engine and evaporate. So just because it's not dripping on the ground doesn't 
Yeah, yeah. Basically, if that coolant level goes down, you got you a got leak. problem. You got to find it. Yeah, I had a fellow that had sent me an email. He says, I don't have a leak in my truck, but I keep losing coolant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's kind of a contradiction of terms there. Yeah. <laughs> you got a leak. It's just you can't readily see it. It's yeah. not necessarily going to drip on the ground. We did one, what, three or four or five months ago that had been leaking for so long mm-hmm. in the, the crack, the head had cracked right. on it. And it leaked so long, it wiped the engine out. Yeah, we had to put a new engine out when it was so sludged up, man. There was just nothing left to work with. That's it. It was it was wiped out. I mean, theoretically, it could be both cylinder heads that are cracked, but I have never come across one yet that was more than one head. Right. And it, it usually some starts off with the driver's side. It always seems to be the left head. I, it, we for had, some reason. I think we've done two that were the right heads. Right. But, but for the most part, all the rest of them are always the left side head. And for whatever really no, reason. I guess it's just random chance because they use the same cylinder head casting. Both on all sides. Of them. And it's just a weak casting. The heat makes it expand and contract, expand and contract. And the area right around the head bolt can't move. So that area is where it flexes. And it's too thin of a casting to start with. When it flexes enough times, it's going to crack. It's just and like when any... it cracks, coolant's going to start leaking into the oil. That's right. And you blah, 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 and you go. It's just like any metal. The more you bend it, the more you, you flex it back and forth, it's eventually it's going to crack. Well, that's right. And some metals are more malleable than others, but cast aluminum is not real malleable no. at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to flex, but so many times. Someone had posted that question. I think Edmonds has a forum, and someone had posted they were losing coolant and couldn't figure out where it was going in a Chevy pickup, and someone put a link to our site. Mm-hmm. I know that because it always tells us where people are linking in from, and I've traced the link back. And a lot of people responded very favorably to it. One guy was saying, well, no, it can't be a crack head because the engine's not overheating. Well, it's not that kind of a crack. Exactly. It's cracked where the coolant's leaking into the oil. It's not cracked where compression's leaking into the coolant. That's right. And the other guy, well, the oil doesn't look milky. Well, again, these are misconceptions. It's sort of like saying, I can't have lung cancer because I don't have high blood pressure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> High blood pressure is one sign of a malady, but it's not the only sign. That's you right. can have all kinds of other maladies without having those symptoms. So you can't go with that type of a diagnosis. You have to know what's going on and do some testing, find the problem, prevent wiping out an engine. Oh, of course. Hey, we got to take a quick little break. Alan, you hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, all right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us, y'all, Motive 
host Lewis Alzan. Got Mr. Brian Terry here in the co-pilot seat. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And that's what Alan did. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I've got a 2004 Titan. It's got about 120,000 miles on it. Okay. About 25,000 miles ago, I had a catalytic converter go out, so I brought okay. it to the shop. Uh-huh. They changed it out, and it went out again. Okay. So I brought it back to him, and he refunded all my money and didn't do any more work on it. Just refunded my money and said, you got another problem. You need to get taken care of somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah you uh, definitely got another problem. Dude, I'm burning oil. I'm burning about six quarts of oil every thousand miles. Wow. Six quarts? Yeah, I keep four jugs of oil in the back of the oh, truck. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Alan, you, oh, you got to oh. fix that because you start pumping that much oil into a converter, it's going to fry it. I mean, guy was real nice to give you your money back because yeah. that's, uh, that's definitely not his problem there. Right. You'd have to find where so much oil is going. It's unlikely that that would be an internal engine problem with that kind of consumption. That could be something relatively simple, Alan. That could be something like some pinched intake gaskets where the vacuum of the engine is sucking the oil out of the crankcase. That could be something like the wrong PCV valve or a PCV hose hooked in wrong where it's sucking oil directly in it. I mean, with that kind of oil consumption, it ought to be relatively easy to find. Of course, it could be broken rings or something in the engine, but that's fairly simple to diagnose. All you have to do is a compression test, and what they do is they pull all the spark plugs out of the engine, screw compression gauge in, test the compression first dry, then they spray a little bit of oil down the cylinder and test it again. If the compression comes up considerably, then we know we got rings stuck or broke because the oil gets down there and temporarily seals them. Right. Now, if that's the case, then you're going to be into rebuilding the engine, but I would not be surprised, but that might be... Something mm -hmm. other than that. That may be something like an intake gasket or something. I know we had a Dodge truck doing the same exact thing, and there's a plate on the bottom of the intake, and the gasket there blew out. And it was just sucking the oil right out of the crankcase into the engine and burning it up. Okay. So pretty important to get that diagnosed by somebody that you know and trust so you can get an accurate diagnosis on it. But I wouldn't think that would be real hard to diagnose. No, I mean, on an 04, I mean, even if you had to put an engine in, it's still going to be worth it because that's, that's probably still a pretty nice truck. Yeah, it is. It is. What about my, the the rattle that I'm hearing? It, it sounds like exhaust valve. That's the only thing that I can think of because it's coming out of the exhaust. Is that a possibility that I have warped valves or something? Man, it's possible, but I, I can't imagine it sucking that much oil down the valve stems. That's just a tremendous amount of oil. That would normally be either all the rings are collapsed or broken or you got a leak where it's sucking oil into the intake some kind of way. Because that's right. an awful lot of oil to go somewhere. And, and like the man told you, that is going to fry a catalytic converter in no time flat. Oh, yeah, definitely. All and right. uh, I haven't noticed any, any power loss or anything either. Is that? Well, that kind of lends a little more credence back toward the intake sucking it up. Because generally, if you had rings that bad, you'd be losing some power for sure. Okay. All right, well, I'll bring it to you guys and oh. get the compression test. Okay, Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh -huh. And we've got Jeremy online. Good morning, Jeremy. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. All right, I got a little problem with my Acura Integra. Okay. I was driving yesterday, and it just killed completely while I was driving it. And um, I was assuming it was a distributor, so I went in and changed that out, and it fired right back up. Okay. But in the process, now it's just running horrible. I mean, it's running real, real sluggish, and I don't think it's adjusted properly, and I don't know too much about it. There's really no adjustment on that thing, Jeremy. The computer sets timing and everything on it. Okay. Are they Could notorious? Be. I mean, the remanufactured ones, are they notorious for being bad? Or, I mean, Pretty I, bad, I wanted yeah. to go with a new one, but they didn't, you know, I would have had to order it. Well, so I got a reman, and I would have did the cap. Yeah, loader. you're best off on that, Jeremy, to go back to Acura and buy it. Of course, that's water under the bridge now. It's mm -hmm. not a lot more expensive than the aftermarket rebuilt, and they are about a thousand times better. Okay. We've 
tried people have brought us rebuilt aftermarket ones we put a scope on them and they don't even meet their spec right out of the box not even close and i've had them bring me three or four that don't meet don't even meet the the manufacturer specs or even their specs out of the box well i'm on number two right now yeah and (laughs) see the killer there is what happens if you don't have a way you don't have a digital lab scope obviously no what happens is you put one in there it runs bad so you take out you put another one it still runs bad we assume it must be something else so you go spend a thousand dollars on other junk Finally, mm-hmm. you break down, bring it to the shop, and he checks, tells you, hey, the distributor's bad. you got to go buy one, a good one anyway. That's exactly where I'm at right now. I yeah. dropped off the shop this morning, and they just said, oh, get another one. So yeah. Luckily, I work at an auto parts store, so they're going to exchange it and give me another remand. And- right. But, man, I tell you, I the only thing we've ever had any luck with on Honda or Acura is using the Honda or Acura part. I had a gentleman that did the same thing, and he was saying, man, I can save money. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he brought his own part. Man, we went through literally... I guess three or four of them before he decided to go get a Honda part, and we put the Honda part in and fixed it right off the bat, and he's done. Of course, he's paying me an hour every time we're pulling this distributor in and out, so right. he, he done ate up way more than he ever saved. You know? Well, I did Plus, the first one, and I thought maybe I just didn't know what I was doing, so I'm letting somebody no, else do the second one. It's, it's and, falling down simple. I mean, it just kind of bolts in. There's really no adjustment. Yeah, I think the computer uh, sets timing and everything automatically. So uh, It can rotate a little bit, and I can hear it kind of rev up a little bit and trying to idle yeah, but right. It's just going to retime itself. You can turn it, and it'll, it'll just retime back. It knows where it's supposed to fire, and it's not going to. If you turn it, it just retimes. All you right. do is adjusting the gap between where the rotor fires and the cap fires. Okay. But it's going to fire at the same time regardless. Okay. Well, I'm not in it too deep. I did plugs and wires, too. I figured, yeah. you know, it couldn't hurt. But. Well, make sure, too, and that something else didn't happen, like maybe knock the vacuum line or something off while you were in there. You know, something mm-hmm. like that could have happened. Just kind of cover all your bases and everything and get the shop to put a scope on that distributor. They should be able to test that and tell you if it's good or bad. Okay. All righty. Well, that, that helps a lot. Yeah, if this one goes bad, number two remand, I'm going to have to just go to Acura and get a new yeah, one. Yeah, and, and you're going to be surprised. They really don't cost that much more than they do from Parts Place. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. And we got Tommy online. Good morning, Tommy. I have a 2005 Honda Odyssey. And a few days ago, went to start it up, and uh, it wouldn't start. Okay. The key indicator on the, on the uh, dash is blinking. Uh-huh. Uh, we got a, one of the spare keys and tried it. It wouldn't work. It yes, did. sir. After trying two or three times, it finally started. But uh-huh. now what it's doing, we turn the ignition off, stop the engine, the key light starts blinking. Yes, sir. That's a security system issue, Tommy. What it's got is a device in the cylinder that when you put the key in, it senses that that is the right key, tells the PCM to go ahead and start. If it doesn't see that for some reason, it's going to disarm it and it's not going to let it start. So it's something okay. in that security system. Now, there's probably 10 dozen different things that can cause that, everything from a loose wire to a bad cylinder to the computer itself going bad to on and on and on it goes. But right. you're going to need to bring that in because it's not anything you'll be able to do yourself. Number one, you got to have a Honda scan tool just to replace the lock cylinder in it. It all has to be reprogrammed. So Okay. I've never noticed that. When we turn it off, it blinks after the fact. So yeah, well, it's blinking. It's just like a check engine light for the security system. It's telling you, hey, there's a problem there. Okay. That little key light is blinking when you're trying to start, and it's not starting, and that's almost always going to be the problem. What we do, see, we've got a Honda scan tool. So we plug in. It's going to come up. It's going to have a code just like a check engine light. It's just not going to be stored in the main computer. It'll be stored instead in the security uh, chassis computer. And once you get that code, you kind of know what area to start checking. You do a few pen tests and what have you. It may be the lock cylinder itself. I know we've changed several of those out for that problem. 
But like I said, you have to have a Honda scan tool to reprogram it. If you put a new lock cylinder, it won't start at all because well, it's not, uh, not going to we'll, recognize it. We'll get an appointment bringing in next week. Or okay. Whenever. Yeah, because it's going to end up leaving you stranded. It's going to go completely out and just ain't going to start at all. It's all something right. you need to probably address yeah. while it's still running. Save yourself a okay. tow bill. Yeah. Plus Thank aggravation. <laughs> okay, Miss Tommy. Appreciate it. Mm, thank you. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Good morning. morning. How y'all doing? Doing morning? great, doing man. Good. How about yourself? I've just got a comment uh-huh. about the fellow with the Nissan pickup yes, taking all the uh-huh. oil. Uh-huh. Years ago, I had a, bought the first new car I ever had. Worst piece of junk I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that aggravating? <laughs> uh, well, anyway, the thing was burnt oil from day one. Uh-huh. And it was the intake that was loose yeah. on the back right corner. Yeah, That's I've seen all that. that was wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they never found it. No kidding. They carbon the valves up so bad I had to tear it down, have the head redone. Yeah, oh yeah. And when I went to take it apart, I did it myself. Uh-huh. I could have taken the back right back bolts and take out with my fingers. Yeah. Yep. Harvey and I were going to Houston one time and that old blue truck he had and this thing he's been having it forever and never really using it all. Anyway, the all life pops on around Lake Charles. So we stop and okay, well maybe one of those things, dump a couple of quarts of oil in it. By the time I got Houston all life's back on again. So he gets a case of all so we can make it home and man this thing is just smoking like a freight train. But that is exactly what it was. We got home, took a nine sixteenth box in wrench, tightened all the intake bolts and never never used any more oil after that. Yeah, and, uh, well, I forgot the man's name with the Nissan pickup, but if mm-hmm. he's still listening, mm-hmm. if uh, he can check it himself, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, and that's and, a little uh, different setup on these newer ones, the way they're made. They got two-piece plastic intakes and yeah, 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 yeah. You got to take actually the upper intake off to get to the lower intake. And, uh, but, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. But, anyway, uh, make sure you get some torque specs before mm-hmm. you do anything. Oh, yeah, torque spec and torque uh, pattern spec because you got a certain uh, pattern you got to tighten yep. them down in. That's it. All right. Thank you. All right, Bruce. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Talking about the intake and all, of course, back in the day with Harvey's old truck, he had a cast iron intake with the bolt sitting right there on top. Just had a paper take, gasket on yeah, it. Yeah, paper gasket, just retightening and everything was fine. Of course, nowadays, what you got is a two- or three-piece plastic intake, maybe with a lower aluminum base with rubber O-ring-type seals. You got to take it apart and even get two to bolts if you can tighten That's them. That's right. And most time, if they've been run loose, it can suck the O-rings down in there, so you're not going to be able to Simple yep. time, you have to at least tear it down and change that. Some of the intakes have a sleeve in on the bolt. Mm-hmm. You can only tighten the bolt down so far, and then it has a rubber cushion in that sleeve that holds the intake at a certain pressure. That's correct. So you know you got to think, you got to keep that in mind when you're changing the intake, doing an intake gasket mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Some of them you actually have to change the bolts in them also. Well, I know on the Chevy, the later model Chevrolet trucks with the five three and the four eight and six zero, oh, we change those bolts constantly. Because oh yeah. What holds the tension on the intake is the rubber or actually urethane sleeve at the top of the boat. Cushion. That's right. And once it's packed down, you can tighten that bolt till you're going to pull the threads out the head or break the bolt, and it's not going to get any tighter. Right. It's got a sleeve in there that limits Bottoms the— Bottoms out. That limits the— So you're only tightening intake. against that sleeve, but that urethane bush is what's holding that intake tight. That's right. And I know the Fords use a similar setup. It's inside the intake, these rubber cushions. And what they did, they did not want that— intake pushed down too tight so they built it to where it physically cannot be over tightened that's right i mean you're either going to strip the threads out of the head or you're going to break the bolt but you're not going to get it any tighter that's right because that rubber cushion packs down now how many times have you seen where someone has just changed the intake gaskets say on a chevy truck and it's still leaking Mm -hmm. and of course you tear it down they hadn't changed the bolts that's right in fact i know they're not changing the bolts because every time i call 
<laughs> my, buddy, my buddy at Chevrolet, he's like, you yeah. know the one ever buys these. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we what buy them. Tell you? Yeah, we buy them by the. I usually buy five sets at a time and stick them on the shelf just because we need them and nobody ever has them in stock. But if you're not changing those bolts every time, you're not doing a correct you're job. You're not doing anything. That's right. And what happens? That rubber O-ring sucks into the intake port because it's got vacuum on one side and atmospheric pressure on the other side. Once it's sucked in the port, well, the gasket's done. Right. It's not going to pop back yeah, out. Yeah, you, you're going to have to replace the gasket. But and if you don't put those fasteners in there to hold it down tight again, it's going to right just back happen again. again. Yeah. And you also have to check the surfaces, too, because sometimes the, the surfaces will get pitted up. And pitted, the old, or the sometimes they're just won't. so rough from the factory that they just won't seal. That's right. I mean, that's one thing. That's almost a critical problem we're seeing now particularly on the newer trucks, when I say 07 on up, mm -hmm. or newer vehicles, excuse me. Yeah, the machine work is very, very coarse. Every bit of that stuff is being done offshore by the lowest bidder, and we find engines and stuff, you tear them down, real low mileage, 70, 80, 90,000 miles, the engine is bad, and you look at the machine work that was done on it, it is absolutely horrible. You know that that crankshaft wasn't even close to their spec when it got put in that engine. Exactly. Came out of the factory with 5,000 clearance in those rod bearings. So by the time they got up to 89,000 miles, it couldn't hold oil pressure anymore. Yeah, but it made it out of warranty. Well, sure. That's the main, <laughs> that's the main thing. Plus it, made, plus, it made them a whole lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> For them. Hey, let's take another quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Brian Terry, here right by my side. Between the two of us, we ought to be able to answer any automotive questions you have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Still got a few minutes to be able to get you some free advice and point you in the right direction. There you go. Just in case something occurs to you during the week or after we're off the air, you just don't get a cast call in. That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronym for Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. There's several databases, several databases huh? you can search on the site to get your particular topic answered or there's a contact bar you can send lewis an email any time of the day or night and get your questions answered there well that's right and there's tons of other stuff on there now one or two features i'd like to just mention one is the newsletter because that's coming up in a couple of weeks well july 1st so a new a newsletter, newsletter. go out now that only goes out every 90 days so okay. if you miss it 
If you go on July 2nd, it'll just be too late. It'll be 90 days before you get the next one. And this is going to be a particularly good one, I think. Put a good bit of effort into it. It's all about fuel mileage and some of the things that help fuel mileage, some of the things that do not help fuel mileage. So it ought to be a pretty good one. Go on there, go to the newsletter, and you have to register to get that newsletter. You have to put your email address in there, and it's going to acknowledge that you really do. It like sends you a little email. You tell it yes, and then you're going to start getting the newsletter. If you ever get tired of getting it, you just hit unsubscribe, and you won't That's ever get last, it again. last you hear from it. That's right. And then there's also you can register on the site, which is totally separate from the newsletter. You can register, which gives you additional rights on the site. It allows you into some of the archives. Like, for instance, you can go back all the way to the first of the year and hear all the automotive hours mm-hmm. are on there. You can hear all our commercials and just lots of other little kind of behind-the-scenes things. And that registration is free. It is free, absolutely. Does it cost you a penny? No, it just proves that you are a real live-breathing person and not a spy bot or spam bot that's going to go in and sabotage the site. Right. So when you start allowing access to some of those types of things, you have to make sure it is a real person. So. If you register, you're going to get that as well. So register on the site and also register for the newsletter. And I think you'll really like it. It kind of adds to the experience. It does. A lot more information than the average person. And some people aren't interested, and that's fine. But if you are, it's a real good feature for you. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. Pop on there and see what you think. And we got Gary online. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Hey, I've got a question. I hear these commercials about the where you never have to pay for automotive repair again. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, heard, I heard a commercial said GM paid off the loan with interest, too. You know? That's why I'm calling because I hear those commercials yeah. everywhere, and I haven't – I haven't been able to listen to you guys in a couple of weeks. So yeah. I didn't know if you've said anything. Oh, sure, sure. I apologize. Go on the website, Gary. Last week I wrote a detailed topic on that exact thing. There's lots of information, but I mean, that guy may be in the Bahamas somewhere with an 800 number. He's going to get your premium up front, and you call and you get boop, boop, boop. This number's been temporarily disconnected, and you're out of your money. A lot of them are just out-and-out scams. The ones that aren't scams aren't much better. But you know, there is nobody giving money away, believe me. I didn't think so, you know, but I knew I could get the straight scoop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got your money up front, and you're hoping they're going to give you some back when you need it. And they're professionals, and the more money they keep, the less they're going to give you. But I did a little research on those. Some of those things pay. I know a lot of dealerships sell them because they're not making the commission on cars they used to make, and they need something to supplement the income. They might get up to 800 bucks to sell you that policy. So uh-huh. if they're paying out that kind of commission... You know. <laughs> right. It's just big, big, big bucks. And the only way to get the true scoop on that, number one, you can go to our site and get it, but go to something like Consumer Reports, somebody who has no reason to tell you one way or the other, and they absolutely slam them. They'll tell you, do not buy them. You're going to lose money. But if you Google it or something, you're going to get, like I said, 300 page of paid advertisements before you can get somebody who's going to tell you the truth. Yes, sir. But uh, pop on there and read that article. It's, it's real good. It's on that exact topic. I appreciate you. All right, Gary. Thank you, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. You always hear someone will say, well, you know, I bought a warranty and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, and, you know, one guy walked into the casino, and he dropped a quarter in a slot machine, pulled it, and got $600. Yeah. He took off, and, he, hey, he made playing, out. Playing but the odds. I'm going to guarantee you that the vast majority of folks going in there are going to lose money. Oh, <laughs> definitely. And it's the same thing with those warranties. And if there wasn't so much fraud and corruption and all the other shenanigans that go on where they just tell you, hey, I ain't paying your claim. Right. It would be bad enough because the odds are vastly stacked in their favor, even if it was a legitimate deal. But a lot of them are not legitimate deals. They're basically scams. Right. So you're getting taken up front and then thinking you got some insurance coming or something like that, and you go to claim on it. Yep. The very best thing you can do 
because nobody wants to spend a whole bunch of money they don't have to spend. So the very best thing to do, number one, buy the right car to start with. That's right. Buy a car that's dependable. Don't buy one of these little junk things that's going to fall apart before you get it paid for. Buy the proper car. Do the maintenance. Go ahead and keep up with your maintenance on it. The odds of having a major problem are almost nil. That's it. Take and the money you would have put into that policy, stick it in the CD. If it breaks, pay for it. When you get through, you can have enough money to take a nice vacation. And you said do the maintenance on it. You need to follow what's in the book, but you also need to be doing more maintenance than what's in that book. Well, that's right. The, the book gives you the minimum maintenance to kind of get by, and there's some things you can do to proactively prevent major problems. Maintenance is nothing more than a little bit of money you spend to prevent spending a whole lot of money later, later on. on. Exactly. So that's what you want. Now, another thing is you want to watch. I wrote an article three or four weeks ago called Maintenance Misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And that is things that are being presented as maintenance, which are aren't not. maintenance at all. Exactly. Because a lot of the shysters now have realized that, hey, people are getting real smart and they're keeping cars longer and they want to maintain them. They want to do the right thing. So we can prey on that to make some money. Yeah. So there's any number of flushes and, and, and different crud like that that's being pushed on people. You walk in, they want to say $189 injection flush and upper intake cleaning. Yeah. Well, that's not maintenance. That's snake oil. That is nothing but a scam. Number one, the injectors clean themselves if you use a decent grade of gasoline. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the heck an upper intake cleaning is, but I guess <laughs> it sounds good. Well, when you walk in and there's a header up behind the guys behind right. the counter mm-hmm. with a bunch of listings of mm-hmm. services and prices, that's right. turn around and walk out. Big old menu. Yeah. Well, I'm writing an article on that right now. In fact, it's probably going to come out next Saturday, and it's going to be on flat rate pricing. It's, it's ironic you should mention that. Yeah. But, yeah, if you see a big old menu board there, I mean, if you're in McDonald's, that's fine. Yeah. Because you know what you're getting and you know what you're paying, that's great. But when you're in a car shop and you see that, because, number one, it's a big joke in the industry. Mm -hmm. All the mechanics are laughing because they say, you know, they know, they see the size of tickets going out here, and they know those prices up there are only a scam to get you in the door. Exactly. The shysters are going to sit there, they're going to call all around, they're going to find out what everybody else is charging, they're going to put the lowest price they can, that is to get you in the door. Kind of like four tires for the price of three. Whatever. Just to get you in the door. Yeah, that's right. Just some kind of a scam. Well, if you think about it, they don't have a reputation. Exactly. Okay, they don't have referrals because nobody would ever refer anybody to them. Mm-hmm. You got, they got can't, to come up with something. Yeah, they can't fix a car. So what else, why else would anybody ever go in there? Exactly. Unless they think they're getting something for free. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's just kind of institutionalized in this trade. It is. There's so much of that. And it's gone on for so long. I guess it's kind of like the big lie theory, where if you tell a lie big enough, long enough, long everybody's kind of started accepting it. Yeah. You know, that must be, it must be the way it is. But it's not the way it is. It's, it's wrong. It's always been wrong. And it's more wrong now than it's ever been before. That's right. And this article that's coming out next week should address all that, maybe clear up a lot of it for people. That, so, that would be great. Yeah, you might want to watch for that. Because you also need to watch trying to diagnose your car nowadays because there's so many things that be, could cause different problems. problems. Mm-hmm. And you walk in and you tell somebody, I want this done. Well, they do it just because mm-hmm. you asked for it. Right. You get it back, you still got the same problem. Then there's a... He, he said, she said. Exactly. But the, the better shops are not going to really even accept that. They're going to ask you what the symptoms are. There you because go. Because they know that's how they have to go to fix the car. That's right. Hey, we're all out of time for today, but we want to thank everybody for listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on the Automotive Hour. Especially our podcasters. That's right. We always appreciate those guys. Y'all spread the word and hope we get more and more of you. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.